welcome to the Hadi Hill podcast. Because <laughs> by the way, a lot of our podcasts start like this, where we're just start talking, talking and we're just like, I'm just gonna press record now because this is really good. Uh, so we have Kerrigan Whiteley. She is. Uh, currently my yoga teacher uh but she's been a yoga teacher forever and we've I've, we've known her for many years now five six five years six years yeah wow and uh and circling back around you're teaching me again so <laughs> that's pretty fun i think i i went to one of your first classes you have you were teaching probably I was like, yeah, because I'll go when we first there. met i was not teaching i hadn't done my training yet so because i was doing my training and i remember us having conversations about like what well, you should teach is like oh, i don't know like, yeah whatever because she she's working the front desk at that point at wonderlust the old wonderlust um but now she's uh, also does yoga retreats and she's a recovering health addict <laughs> yeah recovering health addict yeah like and of course we got nurse doza uh <laughs> and we're going to talk some vitamins and health and travel and i'm tex-mex yogi so let's get the party started yeah all right, so to continue on our conversation, we talked about um, detox, yep. right? And you were talking about you were going through uh, spirulina Chlorella, uh, yeah. yeah, with your detox. And so I suggested, well, I'm doing detox right now. Uh, my wife and I are basically just supplementing and then fasting by basically skipping meals. So I did this last week and I did it this week. And I'll tell you, Um, both times I really wasn't prepared to do it going in, like from the diet standpoint leading up to it. And Baldo knows that can be a no, no, if preparing your body diet wise before a fast, Yeah, because I was, uh, you know, more carbs than fat. So that, that plays a role. So like, for example, what I noticed on the third day of doing this, I wake up and I do, I'm hangry. Yeah. Okay. Which is interesting because, uh, that tiredness that I've always talked about when I fast, uh, for like prolonged periods, the, the, that tiredness is there. Like you're winded from just moving around. And I, I tend to think that I'm in autophagy if that's the case. What do you think, Baldo? Do you think you're in autophagy if you're like, if you're that winded or tired or is it more of like, is it low blood sugar at that point? No, it has to be the blood sugar. The autophagy usually is kicking in an so you should feel more energy. Well, I have, I have clarity. Yeah, so, but that's ketones. Right. So now I'm in ketosis. Yeah. Okay. The the autophagy, I noted because there's that turnover going on, there's NAD being produced. So you feel energy. Okay. So And it's the slightest thing, but I noticed that well, I mean, you've noticed this whenever we've done like a six day fast on the third or fourth day, that's when you feel the most energy. Right. So what's been interesting is uh I love carbs. And yep. I love sugar. So uh, leading up to this from February, I was like pretty much like, okay, I'm not going to eat late at night, which is – or at least snack like with carbs and sugar late at night. And I've done really good and really well about it. But then the last two weeks, I'm doing this. So I'm curious to know though how not eating carbs or sugar late at night has affected your sleep because there's a lot of research that eating something – more sugar-based or carb-based at night can help like delay your dream cycle so i believe you probably don't want to eat late at night because it does affect your sleep and i can probably prove it Uh, this morning uh, for example so i wear this uh wearable device right now and last night merrick and i broke our fast and we like i I guess i ate late and went to bed what'd you eat uh, like plant chips, avocado, and turkey meat. At what you time? Know? Uh, it was probably like ten. Like and you 9, went to bed 10. at what time? Probably like eleven something. You know, okay. like eleven thirty. So like an hour and a half later. 
and um, I knew it was like this is the wrong time to eat everything, but I want to see what this does. So, uh, <laughs> so, so what was interesting? I was also dehydrated yesterday. I also did like a thirty minute sauna yesterday, which I don't recommend people do during like a fast or anything. Like this is, I, I kind of struggled for thirty minutes, you know, but I got through it. I woke up cramping, and I was dehydrated, so that already disrupted my sleep. Plus, my kid came into bed, and you know, it just all those things matter. But my HRV was down, and yeah. my sleep was down. Like tremendous. My HRV was like sixty last night. Yeah, my okay. HRV is always down when I eat past like eight. Right, and the other night when I remeasured it after I started drinking coffee consistently now, which I kind of am for the last couple. No weeks. shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, That's coffee new. Well, I found a new coffee I like, and it makes me feel <laughs> it makes me feel clear headed. Anyway, my HRV went or my sleep score went down to like nine. Yeah. Even though I felt rested the next day. And so I, if you go back to like, what are we doing late at night? I say, okay, well, imagine it's about the timing of what you're eating and when you're eating, right? So I imagine I say, okay, if I'm eating a bunch of sugar before I go to bed, I'm spiking my insulin. And what mm-hmm. happens with me is I have a sugar crash very soon after I eat. It's almost like guaranteed. So if I'm eating late at night, I fall asleep within 30 minutes to 45 minutes, not because I'm tired, because I have a sugar crashing. And what happens is I wake up. Now imagine if I do happen to go to bed right after I eat, which I do sometimes. If that's the case, I'm having that sugar crash in the middle of the night and I wake up hungry. Now for me, my blood sugar is kind of normalized, but for a diabetic, Mm -hmm. they're waking up and they're like, I can't go back to bed. Yeah, they're going to be up. And they say, well, I can't go to sleep. And so then you wonder, like, well, are you having insomnia? But or the, really, or there's also going to be a phase of your body adjusting. I've noticed it with the aura. This new one has the better metrics, and uh, it's finally adjusting to the fact. I've been wearing it for well a year and a half, but it's fine. This one's finally adjusting after three months, where like it knows that my ski my sleep score is positive, even though I've only gotten like six and a half hours of sleep. But like six is my I wake up naturally at six. That's when you feel good. Yeah, but let me ask you, is if you've looked at your data, is it the amount of time that you've been asleep in bed or is no, it No, the efficiency. The, yeah, of so course. What, what do you measure efficiency with? There's an efficiency score on here and it's a mixture of HRV and something. I forgot what. Deep sleep possibly? Yeah, well, there's also a deep sleep score too. I, I get 30% deep sleep like on a regular. So, so do you remember your dreams? Yeah, all the time. All the time? So vividly. Really? It's almost an issue where I'll wake up still tired because I was so present in my dreams. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So um, we dream every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what? Delta? Theta? Where we Delta more like? Kind of the beginning dream stage? State, yeah. Yeah, yeah the dream begin- state. Okay. But we have like 30 dreams a night. They happen dreams. so quickly. Wow. Yeah, because they're all mixed in together, yeah. right? Yeah. I've, I remember when I was younger, I used to be able to kind of control the dreams, which was yes. interesting, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I don't know as, as an adult, I, it's rare that people even remember their dreams. They say, well, I don't dream. And I wonder like, well, last night I probably did, but if I didn't, it's because I look at my deep sleep on my score and it said I got 38 minutes. Of deep sleep for the full night. But deep sleep is after dreams. So if you're waking yeah. up from deep sleep, you'll have a dream. So that also means that you might've never even gotten into deep sleep. Like, Obviously, only 38 minutes. Well, because it measures awake. So there's also like the idea that I'm hovering around awake to light because what happens is uh, my kids come into bed with us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm a light sleeper. You ever heard that term? So I hear things. If I'm by myself and there's no one around, like I am deep sleeping. I've measured it before. It goes way deeper. So 
I I look at that as probably a possible disruption and what it does to me. Well, long-term. yeah, because you're alert, right? Like, yeah, I'm it's alert. almost you're like your brain is waiting for the stimulation. You're protecting not only yourself right. but your whole family. So I, right? if yeah. I'm measuring wavelengths, there's a part alpha in the middle of my sleep cycle, which should not be happening mm-hmm. correctly, right? Is that consistent, or this is last night specifically because you ate something close to bed? <laughs> um, this was last night. Okay. But because the nights before, especially the fasting and the last month, um, sleep score has been really good. Recover actually, recovery has been important. Like it's been really up uh, a lot higher. The um, the HRV is a really interesting thing. If do you do you know what HRV is at all? No. Okay. Cool. So uh, this is perfect. You should listen to our episode from last week. So, um, you know your pulse? Yes. Okay. So, uh, I'm Is it sure. heart rate variability? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. So, what's really cool about it, when, when Baldo was first going to yoga, he used to talk about how, how connected it was to organs mm-hmm. and the heart, and he talked about the, shul, the chakras and all that stuff. And I was like, that's interesting, because like in meridians, you know, you, you look at, you know, energy flowing. Yeah, and so if you can tap and feel pulses, then you can make a difference, uh, especially in health. Well, the heart rate variability measures your nervous system response if you're in flight or fight mode, or if you're in rest and digest mode. Mm-hmm. So you want a higher number, and sleep gets you a higher number. Yeah, right. Exercise gets you a higher number. Yeah, I think yoga probably does. Probably. Right. I would say anything that in my opinion, it increases your awareness is going to then eventually have a higher number. Right. So well, it's good because it's, it's really measuring your ability, your body's ability to adapt, to go from adapt slow and to respond. Fast. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you think you're able to do that better now with your body because all these years of yoga? A hundred percent. It's not even that I'm able to do it better. I just have way more awareness around any of it and a lot more ability to regulate my nervous system. And it's almost like a delayed effect on response. Gotcha. In a healthier way. Yeah. So how do you how do you do it? How do I? How do you delay that response? Uh, awareness. Just like breathing? I think breathing. Yeah. Present moment awareness and having the ability to kind of step outside of myself and breathe. 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 It's all breathing. It's breathing. Yeah. Every time. Every what, time. I, well, I think that that's the biggest indicator, right? Because that's the first thing that shifts. Like you start breathing faster if you're nervous. You start breathing mm-hmm. faster if you're scared. You just like all, and so then if you work it backwards and be like, well, I'm going to start with the breath because that's the one I can control, then everything will fall back in line or it should. Yeah. To me, breathing is the gateway drug to all access to everything in your body. Breathing is a gateway drug. The gateway it? drug. It's the gateway. It's the entry point. I mean, you can I have some that. crazy uh, psychedelic. You can. Some crazy experiences. experiences just by manipulating your breath. And I'm sure you've incorporated that in your yoga retreats. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel, uh, to me, breathing is like the access point or the entry point to give people awareness about their body because the breath really controls your response to anything. And if you can manipulate your breath, you can shift your entire energetic state in present moment. So breath work is a tool that someone could use. And if they learn how to practice and use it correctly – they can respond to stress better in life. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a tool. Simple. That, it's simple, right? It's simple. And it's like, uh, I think it's so beautiful because it's something that we all already have. There, we, You don't have to do anything to have access to your breath other than be aware. But then, be aware. Lot, but then a lot of people also take it for granted, right? Like people take breathing for granted. Well, because yeah. it's involuntary. Yeah. 
right? But then it's voluntary. It happens naturally. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's both, right? So what happens is you don't control it, but you can. So when you become aware of it, you realize how powerful it is because then you're like, am I breathing too fast? Am I breathing too slow? And imagine if you could – I mean your respiratory rate can get down to eight maybe how, how low could your respiratory <laughs> like, that's I mean, crazy right? not it, eight his, like your pulse 40s and maybe 50s. your pulse can get down to what 30 at the lowest 27 is the, is when i've intentionally done it but this is the, wow this is the power so of low. breath work right yeah. that's yeah. what it got because at that point when you're doing it what's your breathing like well, I, what i'm doing is that i'm focusing on my heartbeat but i'm breathing through that to try to slow down my heartbeat so you visualize your heart slowing down yeah. and you visualize it pumping like beating. I also I also visualize giving it lots of love like hey you can rest right now and and just chill like you don't have to like I'm going to sit here for another 30 minutes so you can just like beat as slow as you want and I'm talking to with you're my talking, mind you're talking yeah. to him yeah uh, and then and then you're just breathing it's like and you're coaching them through that process in a sense yeah i always think of it as you're co-creating the experience with your body like your body will always be okay and you're almost like building this relationship with your body in order to change what's happening internally. That's incredible. I mean, and then what's crazy about I didn't do this because I, I didn't even think about it. But I, but I'm thinking about it now. I could have easily just been like, you know what? Let's pump it up, and I could have just done. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would have been like boom, boom, gotten it up to like 80 all of us just from one point to the other, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I can change so quickly. Wow. So what? Uh... The heart rate variability is when you have that pulse, it measures the the time in between, kind of like you know the amount of change. And uh, if if imagine if it's like a long beat in between, right? Then what happens is you're not exerting much force. So that means stress on the body is not mm -hmm. having to increase because the heart is a pump on a circuit. Right, because yeah. there's blood that should be continuously flowing. What's interesting about it is your heart should slow down pumping blood because if you're sitting relaxed, you don't need blood to be circulating mm -hmm. that much, right? Yeah. Correct. But, but it's that you got to be ready to move. But it's interesting though, because if you're in in Nirvana and and double you know pigeon mode and you're sitting there and you're just like completely meditating, is your blood stagnant? No, no. You're, sending, you're you're still have to uh, take mm -hmm. oxygen to your body. Yeah, send oxygen right? and nutrients to the organs so they can operate. Blood cannot be stagnant. I'm still detoxing, bro. Still going. The body's still <laughs> operating in its own way. I don't know because what's interesting is if you go into the parasympathetic mode, you go to vasodilation. It, it also depends. Like now, if you're talking about if I'm there for an hour, yes, but most people are not sitting there for an hour. Your legs don't get numb? Also, I'm thinking if I'm in Nirvana, my body doesn't need to operate anymore. Yes, they do sometimes. But uh, the next time I sit down, I change my position of sitting. But I got a new meditation couch, and it's fucking awesome. What is it like? How is it's, it it's one of these revolutionary? Little, I mean, I don't get sore anymore. Or I don't, yeah. they don't follow. That's to say the legs don't go to sleep? Yeah. So yeah. My legs don't go to sleep when I'm meditating. So is that not necessarily your, your legs shutting blood away it's more that you're just tuning into the core part of what you need to yeah exactly it's almost like uh, an out-of-body experience in the sense that my legs don't really matter to me anymore in that moment well well the we talked about the breath work giving you like the psychedelic experience well it's because you're hypoxic 
Yeah. Right? You're like, you literally have, have done so much hyperventilating to where you're causing a lower bit of oxygen in your body, which will cause you a little bit of uh, a laid back kind of hallucinogenic approach. Um, we intentionally sometimes will push the body to extremes to see uh, the pushback in the response in the body. I think we have a response and a reaction, right? Through any type of production of energy we do throughout the day, we're naturally going to have a reaction. Well, <clears throat> If we're able to respond better when that reaction pops up, then our bodies recover quicker. And then we have the capability to withstand whatever it is that we're going mm -hmm. through, right? That's a, that's how I view yeah. life. That's how I Basic. view the human body, yeah. right? Now, we talked about traveling, right? Mm -hmm. Now, kind of segue into what we were talking about earlier. When we travel, it's the same thing. But what people don't understand is stressors can come in many different forms, right? The, the mental stress of you just traveling and having to – pack your suitcase and get ready to plan yep. to check in to make sure I had this. Did I forget this? Like that's a time old tradition. And then when you finally get to the airport of getting checked in and seated and like, you know, it's it the is whole process, the whole process. Now, if you felt that right now, just going through that and you visualize it, imagine your heart rate automatically increases. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. You don't have you. You can't control that. Yeah. Your breath work automatically increases because you're I got to get through. I'm kind of, you know, you're already rushing. Right, so so I love the airports. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very friend, I'm very friendly with but, there. But see, you probably go early just so you don't have to go through all that. Yeah, right? but I like to sit there. I and don't I, go early. I'm like, if I can't walk straight onto the plane, then yeah, I'm stressed if I have to wait. Do you have around. like the whole the clear stuff and all that? Yeah, the, yeah. See, I do too, but I like to. I still like to go in there, and I like to go get my coffee, and I like to go sit down. That I'll stresses me out. Yeah. I'll, I'll even meditate in there, and I'll, like you know, I'll just get lost somewhere, and I'll even tell the. I'll you even meditate at the airport, right? I meditate on the plane, but I, I sure. but I tell the the check-in lady is like, hey, I'm gonna meditate in case I don't wake up. Like, can you just like? And she'll be like, yeah, that's <laughs> make fine. sure I get on this plane. And so I do you. that all the time, and they. Like they check on me. They've never gotten to the point where I get like, "Hey, you need to get on the plane." But I do, I do let them know just in case, because I, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not gonna stress about it. So like, I'm choosing ahead of time that I'm not gonna stress out about it, and then I'm checking on my breath. But that's that's a very cognizant thing that I'm. Yeah, doing. but how many years yeah. did it take you to get to that point? Correct. Yeah. And are you <laughs> actively choosing it every single time you go to the airport, or as your body just kind of conditions itself to correct understand the stimulants that are yeah, coming like in? Yeah, this is what we do now, right? Because yeah. I don't like if I have a seven o'clock flight, like I'm getting up at four, and <laughs> no, and then I'm showing up, and <laughs> yeah. but I'm not stressed out about it. Usually, yeah. I don't even pack till like I wake up. But it's it's <laughs> with anything. I feel like you decide what resistance you're going to have in your life. That's just natural. Like you can approach any situation with resistance or ease. And you can show up in that environment and choose ease always. Yes. It's always a choice. Always. It's hard to see it though. It's not. Well, it is so simple. How, how simple is it? It is that simple. It's saying, am I going to be here with resistance? Am I going to be here with ease? You, you decide. And then practice that. And practice it over and over. Get the reps in. Just continue to be with ease. I feel like your body can be in any situation and you can have ease in that situation. So give an example if we're rushing to the airport and you're like, you're running behind. So what would you do in that situation? Uh, my mentality in that situation is like grand scheme of things. This moment does not matter. It's just, it doesn't. You can be there in that situation and just have ease and uh, show up with this sense of calmness. Because if I miss this flight, 
the alchemy of my life is not going to change. If I get on this flight, great. That would, everything works out in its favor. And that's my ideal situation. But if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen. It's like nothing outside of myself. Am I willing to have that much control over me in my emotional state? So. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's funny because I was thinking about Allison when we, because we travel together and um, she's completely the opposite about the way we travel and she'll be like stressed out. It's like, we got to get past the line. And she's like, can you, can I get in front of you? Like, she's that type of person. They're like, can I get in front of you? Like, I got my flights at four or whatever. And, and I'm just like, I'm not going to stress out about it. And so she keeps looking back at me like, come on. Like, and I'm just like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stress out about it. And, and then I'll just like put an intention. And I was like, she's make, doing the work. We obviously need to get there. I'm just going to put it to the universe. And sure enough, someone will grab it. It's like, hey, you guys are in a rush and go ahead and just come to the forward. And I'm like, yeah. sweet, it worked out. And But that's more of like a manifestation thing. Yeah, right? it's, <laughs> it's like everything in your life is a product of an intention that you set. Whether you like what's happening or you don't like what's happening, it all can be boiled down to an intention that you had. And so I just, it's like manifestation. It's I fully believe that if I intend for this situation to happen, it's going to happen. It might not look how i thought it would look but it's going to feel the way that i intended it to feel nice yeah that's a good way to put it yeah it's a great way to put it yeah so when when you're going and traveling when you finally get there you already said you're meditating on the plane you probably do do you take vitamins before you go do you what do you do yeah so traveling is super taxing on your health right it's insanely dehydrating so Kind of things that I do to prepare, um, always bring my own food and like, I usually don't eat on the plane just because I feel like digesting at that altitude is just a lot harder than it needs to be. Um, hydrating. And then, yeah, I always take supplements. I usually bring like chlorella or spirulina when I'm spirulina, when I'm traveling, anything detoxifying because there's just so much stuff coming in. Um, and then I always bring like green packets with me and if i'm gonna have anything on the plane like a like green like a vitamin yeah like a nutrient packet um and then i always bring some digestive aid because you're just like your body is when i'm here in austin i'm eating like a very consistent diet that my body is used to and knows how to break down and assimilate efficiently and when you're traveling it's just a lot of new foods coming in and so any like probiotic or digestive aid sometimes. Did you need enzymes? Yeah, I take digestive enzymes. Yeah. For sure. That's like almost a daily thing for me though. But you, when you travel though, you should just be prepared to have that readiness to, I'm going to encounter something new. My stomach has to be prepared for it. Yeah. The way that I think about it is that if I'm traveling, I want to be fully present to whatever experience I'm having. And if I eat something that doesn't work with me or sleep jet lag can be super off it's going to take me out of that experience and so I'm like I'll just bring my little first aid kit of aid so that I can like help my body stay in line so that I can be fully present I wouldn't say my motive is like I want my body to always be healthy or I'm going to stick to my strict routine when I'm traveling it's what are things that I know take me out of my present moment experience and how can I mitigate that and if I'm like bloated and gross and just ate something that doesn't feel good, I'm probably not going to be enjoying whatever I'm doing. So when you attribute a disruption in your travel and your retreats, you attribute it to food? That's usually going to be the issue? 
my main issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because here I'm so, it's not regimented, but I'm definitely picky about what I put in my body. Right. And if I'm take like, especially on a retreat situation, if I'm taking 20 people to Morocco and we're going to have a Moroccan dinner, I'm not going to sit there and be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to eat any of this. So <laughs> like that I'm, would, I'm fasting. I'm fasting guys. <laughs> have fun this week. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I would say my main, like personally, my main disruptions are food related. So yeah. I like, I have a very sensitive digestive system. I mean, is... honestly, the the only bad experience traveling that I've had in the past, like, 10 years has, was in Cuba when I got food poisoning. And yeah. Other than that, I can't think of bad experiences. I mean, I've had some challenges, but those, those are fun. Yeah. Like, do, <laughs> dis, do stressful things happen? Absolutely. All the time. But it's like going back to the intention. I just choose not to respond with stress. You know, especially now with covid and having to get tests and making sure that 20 people are able to actually get back into the country yeah. does stress arise absolutely but it's i just don't think it's stressful because that's not my intention like my intention is peace in every moment so those things are so insignificant in the grand scheme of my peace state and it i just refuse to give anything outside of myself that much power over my nervous system i just don't want that so whenever you're doing your retreats do you teach to that a lot about uh, just because you were a nutrition coach master, yeah yeah health coach all that master. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but then you explained earlier that you just didn't feel empowered to do that in yeah in, in a way that it would serve your clients yeah and then now you're doing all the traveling do you do you still implement any of of the previous life <laughs> yeah definitely we'll always do like some health and wellness workshops but i my approach is a lot less science-based than it used to be in the sense that now i like to approach those conversations more of like mind-body connection or empowering people to use their intuition because i feel like my while i have a skill set and a knowledge base when it comes to science-based nutrition and clinical nutrition there's other people that know more and have more uh skill set than me and so I would just rather stay within my lane if that makes sense because to me food and health is so particular and it's so finicky like you could tell someone to do something and that is going to change the alchemy of their life if you say like hey eat this way do this thing take these supplements and um, I don't want to misinform someone and then it changes their entire state and that's it's not that it would be reflected back to me but there's people that can do that better than I can and so I felt like I was getting to a point with health coaching um, where what I thought was best for people, like getting blood work done, uh, I didn't have the tools to do that. And it felt out of integrity for me to say, okay, let me continue to educate you or suggest things to you when I know that other people can do it better. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't want to pursue that. Uh it just, yeah, it felt out of integrity. Yeah. And I think that that happens a lot in the health world where people feel like, I know everything. And they're so willing to subscribe what they've done onto someone else. And um, it's well, detrimental. And it's different than like trying to like fake it till you make it, right? Because exactly. you're impacting someone's life. That's exactly we, how I felt. In, in the same world though, like we can like fake it till you make it as far as like what we're 
in what ways we're going to serve. Yeah. Uh, but then in, in the actual serving, you can't really fake it because exactly. now, you're, now you're impacting, right? Like now you're actually making differences in people's lives. Yeah. And I felt like I graduated from school and they're like, okay, set you off on your own. Here you, here you go. Like build the client base, gain more knowledge. And it's, yeah, it was like the mindset was fake it till you make it. And to me, health is way too important to ever fake it with someone when they could come here and to a place like this where there's people that know what they're doing. Well, could you make the case that you, you looked at that and you said, this is not the best use of my resources. Yeah, definitely. Right. Yes. Because there are people that do it so well. Well, I look and I say, well, look what you're doing, right? In the sense of uh, you talk about the mentality, the mindset, the breath work, uh, the the travel of setting an intention at a new community outside of someone's realm is, is, uh, is needed, right? I mean, there's a lot of people who are looking for some kind of uplifting, some kind yeah. of community, some kind of tribe. And when you work one-on-one with someone, and we had this conversation yesterday – it's very hard to repeat that over and over again, and it has to be very individualized, and it has to be mm-hmm. complex, right? But, uh, you know, depending on how you want to do it, if you're really good at, a, you know, a certain skill you can teach other people, you can say, well, I know how to teach this to everyone and systemize this. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, like, I'm sure with everything you teach at your retreats, I mean, think about it. Like, <clears throat> a practitioner has to go over there and get away from you know, looking at clients and seeing people and running a business and they're like, well, how do I, how do I become better? Mm-hmm. And, and what we learned was we were labs. It's a way to measure if you're getting better. Exactly. Right. And, and, but then still people are like, well, what do I do with it? Right. Because that's the problem with even the practitioner side. We look at labs and we know what to do with it. Some people don't. Exactly. And yep. if they work with a certain practitioner, a lot of times it's so complex that, Unfortunately, people are not taught the extended version, right? Mm -hmm. At at a basic understanding, uh, even you could go down into uh, the lowest of grade school mentality when it comes to health and wellness. Our biology and anatomy is taught from a very fundamental level, but like you never work on the human body as a cadaver, you know, like we don't ever like typically go and do a practicum starting grade school of like, hey, you are what you eat. What are you eating today? Let's do a complete assessment on it yeah. as, as a 12-year-old, you know, 14-year-old, right? We look at his backwards. But then again, the same deal is if you taught a – I mean, you've worked with Omar so many times, right, on breathwork and meditation. He does mm-hmm. that. I have a six-year-old that comes to me and says, I want to meditate. And wow. when, when we have trouble, I said, well, you're getting frustrated? Hug. Let's hug it out. Wow, yeah. And we're trying that now, which is cool. To me, you don't have to prove science to that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah. to me, that's a tool to where I can pass on to someone else, and I might have learned that from someone else like you to say, like, hey, in your times of frustration, in the times of stress, here's what you can do. Yeah, you don't pay your energy towards. You don't give that energy. Give it towards this instead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what's really cool about it. I've gone into healthcare. I was medicine first for a while. <laughs> I'm not in medicine anymore. Yeah. I'm not. But but people call medicine different things, yeah, right? They definitely do. Like my medicine, do. my medicine, my craft. I mean, they my... call psychedelics medicine, so. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> my, my plant medicine, right? <laughs> it depends on where you live, what medicine is. Right. Well, yeah. could you say breathwork is your medicine? Absolutely. Sure. Yoga, yeah, I can yoga. say breathwork meditation is my medicine. Savannah became my medicine. 
Yeah. Honestly, it saved my sanity. When we were going through the tough times before, when we were first starting off, there were times that I would, I've said it before, I cried like towards the end, like especially there was a lot of hip openers and stuff. Yeah. And I would look over at Baldo, especially in a 30 day challenge and all that stuff. And I was like, why am I crying? What is going on? I didn't, I don't go to the gym and just start crying after the end of my workout. And all the teachers would be like, oh, yeah, we did hip openers. Yeah, you got a bunch of stuff going <laughs> yeah, on. got some stuff coming out. Somatic release. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And to me, it opened up a realm of possibilities. So yeah. when I was in chiropractic school, they talked about innate intelligence. Mm-hmm. And they said the, the founder of chiropractic, uh, D.D. Palmer, said uh, there's innate intelligence versus universal forces. Okay, call, yeah. call those universal forces stressors whatever you want to call them, right? Eventually, if they get to you, your innate intelligence is not able to fight it off and it becomes compromised. And then your life tends to dwindle. That's how I've learned it. When I was in chiropractic school, the whole time I was like, that's kind of woo-woo, but I like it. <laughs> but, I, but it makes sense <laughs> to me. But it makes sense to me, right? Because I was a Catholic boy growing up who believed in spirits and the yeah. Holy Ghost, right? And here's the sacrament. Eat this bread, drink this wine, and you will get better. And so I was like, yeah, if I put something in my body that uplifts my soul, I'm a Catholic. I was taught that, right? Yeah. And so as I got older, I realized like things that I started doing didn't give me something back, right? Like I thought working out and lifting weights was giving back. I couldn't even do handstands. I told you that earlier. <laughs> Baldur's doing handstands, breathing longer, lowering his blood pressure. I'm like, what are you doing? And then this fasting thing comes up. I'm like, how what are you doing? He's, it, you know what he did? He studied the body. Yeah, that's what he did. And that's what you've been doing. And so you realize with even the blood work, you're like, this isn't what the body looks like. This is one way. This is one way. And that to me is such an important way because that's a measure. Because she had an ad in there and she just ate through that. Loved it. (laughs) All the way open. Nice. Wow. It's just one measure. But it's an important measure. That's the thing. It's a super important measure. And I think that um, there's a few different ways to look at it. My like baseline philosophy is that intuition is the prerequisite for all understanding when it comes to your own health. And it's something that we're not taught. I think that your body has infinite wisdom that your mind may never comprehend. And a lot of people aren't taught to stay curious with their own being and ask themselves questions. And so they're searching for things outside of themselves to basically answer their own questions. The body knows what it needs to an extent. I see your eyes. No, no. I see your eyes. Well, because I, I, realize, I realize what your role is. Your role is to bring the best out of humans possible. Yeah. Okay? So then I think about that and I say, you're not going to learn that from a book. Yes. But that's the other side of it is that I also think that uh, for me, health-wise, science space is the avenue that I would prefer. And so that's when you need things like blood work for measurements to like see okay is what i'm doing actually effective well i think that science is it in this sense is a communication tool right yeah because exactly like, it's a language it's because you can it's say the same thing like oh yeah of course i believe that i'm gonna just apply that to my life and never look at the science but then you explain that to someone else they're like no i don't there's no way i can buy into that right well we we've, we've had to word the, what how we present science to people in a way to where it resonates. That's all it comes mm-hmm. down to. How yeah, do you communicate language. with people? Well, you and you look at the numbers the and you explain it in so many different ways to so many different people. Right. Because but, but, but here's what happened. Whatever you learned, 
that communication is a broken, obsolete pattern. Yeah. That's why yeah. you got frustrated because the thing was Baldo saw it. He's like, you hear this all the time. Well, my doctor said my labs were normal, but and I'm not like, normal. Yeah, yeah. And so you're like, I don't get it either. Like, I, this is what they well, tell us. And also, like, I wouldn't say that it's not necessarily that that was where I was having hang up. My hang up is that I needed more skills than I had to really feel like I was able to help people. Or And it's because of things like, you know, people are walking down the shelves of Whole Foods and they see these supplements. They're like, I'm going to take this, 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 and this. But they haven't taken the time to see if that's what their body actually needs, which is where you need a practitioner and that's, to say, like, this is what your body needs. That whatever you're reading online maybe doesn't need, like, apply to you, you know? It's, it's hilarious we're having this conversation because we've been talking about this this whole week. This is actually what we're doing. Yeah. And so what you think about it <laughs> yeah. is that is that you want to keep it as simple as possible because it's a supplemental way to the whole picture. Like because yeah. think about this. Like as a practitioner, we like okay, you go and get these uh, licensures and and say like okay, what am I able to do now? Yeah. Well, your board regulations and the licensures and the people that tell you that you can practice, quote unquote. And be a doctor or a practitioner, say, you can only do it under these standards. Yes. Yep. And we don't agree with that. I'm yeah. a rebel by nature. So I'm like, well, that's not the only way. It's just like um, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? That old phrase is like, okay, so if I say I can get healthy, I can do it different ways. I can do breath work. I do sunlight. I can do water. I can do movement. I can do hugs. I can do smiles. I can do IVs. Mm -hmm. I can do PRP. I can do fasting. All those different tools I did not learn solely in school. Yep. I learned yes. from I learned from people. All the ones at, you mentioned, you probably didn't learn in school. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't learn I didn't at all. You know why? Because I learned them at retreats. Yeah. yeah. The, every. Yeah. I, I think about this. Since we met uh, five years ago or six years ago, the yeah. journey that we have taken, the amount of people that we've all met, and the amount of conversations that we've had have been the most enlightening things you've yes. ever imagined. Because all the times that I've ever been like awoken, or or, or had something radically shifted in there. It was that my beliefs were undone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. In science, that's the whole point of science. The yep. problem is that a lot of people have firm beliefs on something and it becomes so implanted that they're not willing to change. Yes. Yes. And when you have people who meet you in that same position, which is the current sick care model, they don't even realize they're not aware mm -hmm. to the idea that they do need to change. So then yep. they're resistant to them being told otherwise. When you meet someone halfway, like let's say I go back to the retreat, when ha someone shows up to a retreat, I imagine there's people there that are probably lost, mm -hmm. right, in their world, yeah. in their place. They yeah. don't know what they're doing, and they're coming to find themselves, right? Yes. Yeah. You know how many people come in here looking for that same deal, but yeah. they don't say it. They won't ever tell you to your face, like, I can't talk to my wife. I haven't talked to my mom in like 10 years. Like, I have no friends, and I work all the time. Help me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the thing, though, is that it's the the end result. I feel like the end result that we all want is the same. People want a peaceful life or whatever it is that they want, and they're just using different tools to find that, whether it's on a retreat or whether it's in a space like this. They're using different tools, but it's still, to me, searching for things outside of yourself, you know, and I feel like it until you can really learn how to self-source what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. That's right. And I guess this is like the answer is in, in you. The answer is in you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why it's like you need intuition. And all of these other things like living a healthy lifestyle, 
biohacking, moving your body, being outside are beautiful additions, but they shouldn't be the source. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I have... We and have, feel free to disagree. Well, no, I, I have people that come in here and they want the easy way out. The easy way out, exactly. And they want to be told exactly what to do. And that's what traditional medicine caters to, right? Like, just take this pill. It, the quick fix, yeah. The, well, like, this thing will solve X, Y, and Z. But it, it caters to the whole society of, of the ideology of convenience that's now at your fingertips. We have yeah. the ability to have anything we want at our fingertips, which means I forgot how to spell. Yeah. Convenient. convenient. Honestly. That, yeah. That, on, yeah. I forgot how to spell convenient. <laughs> because autotype. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Everything is just there. So then I say, what tools am I acquiring in life that are actually beneficial to me? Yeah. Then the long run. I mean, I think about, I, th- I thought about this day while I was meditating. I have a, a, a monk uh, chant that I say in the, in the sauna and the, and the plunges. And Afterwards, I just wait for something to come to me, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I was looking into the future and I said, what do I need in order to survive? What does my family need in order to survive? What would bartering look like if you're in your local community? What it would look like if you didn't have a car? Someone told me this week, they said, get ready to start walking everywhere again. Well, and I was like, well, I said, I ride a bike. I ride a bike. But then I said, okay, do I know how to take care of a bike completely? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't yet. So I need to go buy a book. A physical book, not a downloadable PDF. Yeah. I need a physical book, and I need to practice it. Yeah. Next week, we go to Big Ben. What are we doing again? We're learning knots. How to tie a knot. How to tie a knot. How to tie a knot. Oh, uh, Basics. this is just random, but uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, has a master class, and the last – there's a bonus episode, and it's all how, how to tie knots with his – That's amazing. It's fucking Bill Nye, Bill dude. Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> I – and there's like 12 different knots on there, and it's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's, to me, that's basic, basic yeah. stuff. So, uh, go ahead. There is something that you said that I would love to extrapolate on, and it's that people get so attached to one way, and they're not willing to change. And I feel like that's a huge hindrance for a lot of people is they don't acknowledge that their body changes over time. So they get so stuck on like one supplement regimen or one diet source or one way of Thinking. catering to their body and it totally negates the fact that our body changes constantly oh, yeah. over time oh yeah and it i feel like that's something that i would witness a lot because i i do think that people almost treat their diet like they treat their religion it is so sacred and yep. and they're so uh, particular and held up on it and it almost it's a hindrance in really excelling and finding the next best version of who you could be or how you could operate or how you could feel in the world would you say that your routine is probably the thing that they hold on to the most? Their daily routine? Yes. The most uh, precious thing somebody has. Yes. And this is why I say I'm a recovering health addict because yeah. I was at the point where it was like I had to do X, Y, and Z all the time. And if I missed one thing, oh, everything is off. Everything yeah. is wrong. There is no room yeah, for like flexibility. That, oh, I'm going to have a bad day. because Yes. Yeah. Because I didn't wake up and meditate. Or I, you know, didn't reach my fasting goal today and now well, so that, everything is that was up. me today last night i ate late because uh katie and dan invited me over to to dinner and so i ended up eating as late as like nine thirty, and i woke up like at six like i always woke up but i just felt tired i was like you know what i'm gonna skip yoga and i'm gonna just sleep in 
And then I still woke up and I was like, I can still do like one minute of meditation. I could still like read one page. I could still like write a couple lines on my journal. And I yeah. did. I took like 10 minutes to do my ritual. I prefer calling it a ritual than a, than a routine. Mm-hmm. And then and then I got ready and came here and still got stopped. I stopped for coffee instead of making my own coffee because that saved me time to like journal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> your routine and your uh, ritual are vital to how you function. People will realize it or not, but they have one. So to get people to undo that ritual, I mean, think about it, Baldo. I mean, if I said, no, you're not going to have your coffee today, what would your ritual look like for the rest of the day? It's fine. I can do without it. I I skip days on coffee in general. The one that affects me a little bit more. You know what's funny? I'm going to mention something else here. But the one that affects me a little bit more is not doing my – like my – my uh, affirmations in the morning mm. uh, and, and I, that one I'd never skip <clears throat> but if I ever did the last time I skipped that's the one that threw me off because I, yeah. I just kept getting in my head about different things but uh, my question is not necessarily what how does that affect the rest of your day but if someone said to you right now you don't get coffee tomorrow what's your nervous system's immediate response I don't know like I didn't have coffee yesterday just yeah. naturally I made it but I didn't serve it I just didn't feel like drinking it but the habit of making it was, I still yeah. made it. It's, I don't know. Because sometimes for me, it's like, someone says, oh, you don't get to meditate tomorrow. My response is almost like that fight or flight. Like, what? Well, that's that's why. And that's the nervous system regulation. So you, when you're taught as a practitioner how to have bedside manner with people, you're not taught that. You're not taught a script on how to ask things. It's yeah. very direct. And so when you talk with diet with people, there will be a pamphlet that's given mm-hmm. that says this is what you can eat, this is what you can't eat. Mm-hmm. Now, depending on how you present that pamphlet, face up, face down, yeah. could be the first thing that people see. And if they say no sugar, no carbs, no – People always look for the don'ts first. Yes, and yeah. they say, why can't I have this? And they automatically just go down that rabbit hole and say, oh, you're taking away – from my routine. They're not saying mm-hmm. you're taking away from my joy, not taking away from my pleasure. You're saying you're taking away from my daily routine, my ritual that makes me feel grounded. Mm-hmm. That's it. That makes me know that things are okay in this world because it's stability. People want stability. The uncomfortableness of you going to a retreat where you don't know anyone, of you basically saying, I'm going to go meditate at the airport. Some people are like, look at this. I mean, imagine people watching you like, this guy's going to miss his flight. This, I mean, you, you made people nervous just by being calm. People were like, I swear to God, honey, should I go say something to him over there? Oh, my God. I'm what gonna is he doing? Yes. Yeah. But the, the only reason I meditate on the That's airplane hilarious. now is because I was on a six-hour flight one time, and the guy next to me meditated for the entire six hours. That's and awesome. And I was so uncomfortable the whole time. I was like – is he okay? What's happening? I mean, he was barely breathing and I was just like, uh, and then after that, I was like, I'm going to start doing this. That's impressive. That's amazing. That's impressive. That's incredible. I, I, I do enjoy <laughs> meditating on the plane though. Cause like you're imagining like traveling in your brain, but at the same time you're traveling hundreds of miles at an yeah. hour, right? Yeah. Like that, that idea helps me get into a meditation. It's just, it's just an interesting place to it's just it's not just comfortable interesting. well <laughs> i will say i don't know if this is like a coping mechanism or a positive thing but meditation has cured my boredom because now anytime i'm on the plane and i'm bored or i'm sitting waiting to go in somewhere and i'm bored i just do breath work or i meditate do you ever do like start stretching doing like yoga poses in the, in the <laughs> yeah. center lane yeah. yeah so i love the dallas airport I still, they have a yoga done, room. I still haven't done a handstand on an airplane yet but 
It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Like I can feel. I always stand in the aisle and start stretching. All right. So I got a cool little story for you. Since you since you known us since back in the day, mentioning mm-hmm. handstands. <laughs> so. Um, you that know, can go, that can go a million different ways. Well, well, you, well, <laughs> well, you know how uh, we came to Wonderless and we we're doing shots yeah. and all that there? Yeah. So um, we d- used to do that studios all over town. Well, we went to one studio one time and we would give free B12 shots, like injections. Yeah. And and we gave it to one person who happened to uh, put us in a position to be hired by the people who put on the ACL festival here. I remember that. I remember y'all going to ACL the first time. Yeah. So yeah. we were taking care of all the staff <laughs> and took care of, like, we didn't have to take care of drunk people. That was awesome. Like, I was worried <laughs> yeah. about that because you don't yeah. want to deal with the public. Yeah, you're like, I, like, I don't want to yeah. do this. Yeah. But all the staff, yeah. although we did like, at some we point. Doing? Well, that's another story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, but the shots and IVs were hit. We had our drinks and supplements and everything. So anyway, the we did both weekends. On Sunday, we met all the people who were ahead of the talent. And the headliner that weekend uh, wanted an IV. And so they said, can y'all come over to the headliner stage at the end of the festival? And at this point, we were, our shift was at 4. It ended at 4. The headliner came on at 8. Both weekends, we're exhausted, right? I'm just like, I don't want to. Because this is Sunday. This, this is was Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday last night. And I was like, like I, I don't, don't want to go. This. He tells us, I was like, who's the headliner? He tells me, I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. So we finally get over there with big we see celebrities like you know Shaq's there you know I'm like yeah, oh my god like, yeah this is pretty cool like we're behind the headliner stage yeah, right that's so cool and uh the headliner's late and I was like well okay what are we gonna do now the manager wanted one so the manager and the security guard wanted one so I like, guess fine so we gave him IVs yeah. and then we said all right now what they're like well what do we owe you I was like well you know it'd be really cool if you could get us on stage because <laughs> like our that's crew our, our crew that it was with they yeah. were like they were giddy because Bumbleball, they're you know it's one of like a you know pop rap star and everything, and so they're the biggest one at the time, and so the the girls are like, oh my god, like whatever. So I'm like, can we get on stage? Yes, yeah, see, let me see what we can do. Comes back with wristbands, so we get on stage, and there's a point at the the festival where you start walking and realizing like, wow, we're like definitely behind the scenes now, yeah. and this is really cool. So you go up on the stage, above us is uh, the VIP. Like they're looking down on the stage, and then where we're yeah, at, we're, we're on the actual we're on the production, stage. we're, on, we're on the stage, so it's production. And so we're there, and walks in Shaq, and I'm just like, oh my god, is this going, you know, no nuts? So they go off to the side, and and Baldo and I at this point, or actually, took a picture with Shaq, and he was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah look tiny. But this is our first time to sit down. The whole weekend. The whole both weekends. Wow. So I sit down, and I'm just like, I want to go home. I'm <laughs> like, but this is incredible. Like this is. Um, we're looking into the sea of people. The guy, the headliner hasn't come on yet, so they're all chanting, and the light, it's nighttime, the sun is set now, and like everyone's like pumped. You can feel the energy. <laughs> Baller leans over to me as we're sitting there looking onto the stage in the crowd, and he goes, Free, free B12 shots, bro. And, I, and that's how we got there. That's and amazing. So, we, so I was like, that's, that's awesome. So, so, I, so I'm like, that's really cool. And like, you know, we kind of like, we realize how far we made it, right? Yeah. And then, uh, because this is a big deal in our, our our expansion of the business and our growth as people and blah blah blah. But anyway, the story is, he wanted to celebrate. So I said, oh, "What are you gonna do?" So I'm gonna do a handstand. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, like cool. "Sure, whatever. Yeah, let's go." I shit you not. He does a handstand. 
Two seconds later, as soon as he does that handstand, probably as you're doing the handstand, the stage manager comes by and says, that's the quickest way to get kicked off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and he basically came down the headstand and he sat back down. Like, like I'm just saying, like he had been there all, all time. As soon as he does a handstand to celebrate, he says, can't do that. Yeah, and you're like, great. Yeah. But how many people can say they I know, do a handstand and, and on, on stage in ACL? So he yeah. goes and he says, I said, I hope it was worth it, bro. We're about to get kicked off. Needless to say, we stayed on. It was awesome. We went nuts and everything. So. That's amazing. Yeah, well, we left because we went out to go see uh, Arctic we, Monkeys. We went to go see Arctic yeah. Monkeys. Yeah, like, yeah, we don't, yeah. yeah. I don't even, I still don't, I cannot no, remember this was. guy's name. It was, it was Travis Scott. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only the super famous guy. Travis yeah, yeah. Scott. Well, the thing, well, I'm sorry. I for who's listening, they're probably oh my god. I'm like I'm sorry. Uh, to me, I didn't know who he was. I knew he was from Houston, you know. So it was a different headliner they were supposed to be, and yeah. and then like he filled in. and He was the biggest thing at the time or whatever. I yeah. get it, you know. Yeah, like they, yeah. like the reason Shaq was there because they were filming a commercial for American Express. Oh, and there was a basketball okay, yeah. court behind the stage, and they were playing one on one. I kid what? you not. No, I'm serious. That's we were, wild. We were because while we were waiting for Travis Scott to show up, we were like, okay, what do we do? And they're like, well, we're gonna give. I was like, whatever. And so we waited. In walks in Shaq, and I'm like, oh my god, this seven foot tall <laughs> yeah, dude. And then I'm like, that's why they have the basketball court there. So they literally, watch, Travis comes in and they play one on one. That's and every, crazy. And we're watching it, and we're, and we're like, okay, and they kind of just whatever. And then I'm like, okay, this is incredible what's happening now he goes on stage to get ready right yeah. and then the stage or uh, his, his manager comes over and says hey uh we're, we're not he's not gonna do the iv after all i was like well obviously <laughs> so now what he said well we'll get the ivs and then we'll put you on stage you know that was the basically yeah. thing so i was like well that's cool okay cool yeah but needless to say we walked away and this is what we looked at we said all right why do we get to that point to the point where we were able to be able to do anything we wanted to for that weekend we were at. like anyone no one told us no yeah. Everywhere we went. Yeah. Anywhere we went except one place at the very end and the boom, we'll, boom, boom. we'll be there later. So, But that was interesting because the reason <laughs> why people did it was they they liked feeling better. We gave them yeah. something that made them feel better right away yeah. even while they were stressed out. So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if There was a lady just to fill up water bottles at the at – the, like, like a cooler. Yeah. And if that's the case, you say, all right, what's that role? Well, how important is it that person's sanity is in line? And I say, well, I mean, if they've been stressed to the max, working hard, they're not going to feel good. Not going to feel good. They're not going to be present. They won't be present at all. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. You can see people in their stages. They got IVs, and you're just like, so where are you at and everything? And they're like, I don't know. I've been drinking too much, or you know, I've been, you know, out here in the heat. I'm not eating right. I'm just eating whatever mm -hmm. they bring us and everything. And I'm like, man, that sucks. And they're like, yeah, well, that's just how it is. And I'm like, no. But it doesn't like, have to I be. I don't think it has to be. It doesn't have to be. Because they do it every weekend, right? It's usually the same staff that travels around. But they just don't know another way. So here's the thing. What's interesting was um, the people somehow got connected with us uh, to Goop. Is that right? I think it was yeah. Goop. Oh, yeah. And they were coming through like a couple That's months right. later. And Goop reached out. Where the people who were helping Goop set up whatever they do in Austin reached out to us. And so they were also talent managers. Hey, we heard y'all through blah, blah, blah. We want you to come over here. Yeah. Cool. What do you want us for? Well, we're tired of giving all the artists like just basically booze and shit. 
We want to give them. We want to give them healthy stuff. So we're hiring, contracting with yoga instructors. Remember, there's big yoga instructors meet up. People like Gustavo was one of the people yeah. and all this stuff. And so like they had vendors. They were healthy vendors. So like Siete was there and like all these other places. And so you're like, this is really cool. You change the mentality know. of it, or at least even set up the place to say, hey, this is all to give them an option. Yeah, give them, this is yeah. this is another option here, and then they might look at it a different way. I imagine what we looked at with ACL was what would be cool like i know wonderless used to do this if one of those stages was just the biggest meditation breath work like meeting of fifty thousand people yeah like how high of a vibration would that be yeah. if you were just sitting in that crowd yep because like, can we slow down the earth's rotation for a second i promise that's more addicting than whatever you're right doing that's what i was saying like, that we i got nothing yeah. out of, yeah. of that other than that it was a cool story and yep. it was an amazing time i would have we left that crowd we went into the middle of the crowd just to feel it and i was still like Eh. Yeah, and I was like, but that fifty thousand people like humming or chanting all at the same that, time to me, I would live in that. Yeah, same. That's where I would be like all the time. Can't get away. So we're gonna create that. You down for that? <laughs> yep, I'm all down. Right. Let's right. do it. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Y'all heard it here first. Hell heard yeah. it here first. Hell yeah. Fifty thousand people meet up in Austin. Two two two. <laughs> two two two. That's, that's a quick one. I'm we got to get this together then. <laughs> I'm <totally. laughs> hey, we can pull that off. We, we can, can pull this off. Yeah. We can pull this we off. We were talking about yesterday about how so many times like we were talking about like the not the idea of, of fake it till you make it, but we usually the thing about it is that we know we're gonna present ourselves in a very respectable way, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's like, hey, well let's just sell it and then we'll create it. Yep, just do it. Right, but it, and it'll be in a responsible yeah. way. Yeah that that's where the, that confidence comes in but but it's different than like the fake it till you make it because you're not lying you're just like oh no, now, we have, now we have to create this and it feels good <laughs> but it's like you're at that point where you've um done the work correct you know what i mean and i was at the point where i hadn't done any work cool on myself so <laughs> what's your next retreat that you're excited about um morocco is in may so i'm super excited this is the only one this year where i haven't been to the country yet nice. so I'm excited just to see something new, be in the desert with a bunch of stars. Um, very excited for that. And then we're going back to Kenya this year, which we did last year. And now it's just like a life-changing experience, to say the least. Of course. And not to say that lightly, not to use the cliche, but just being out in the wild with a bunch of lions roaming around, very out of body. Uh, and it just kind of took me back to that oh, this is how humans should live, just like at one with nature all the time. Changes the cat cow perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So we're doing the exactly. So the lion cow perspective. Do <laughs> you still have seats for it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, so how do they find you? How do they um, sign up? So all of the retreats are on VentureOmYoga.com. Om as in Zoom. And uh, yeah, my Instagram is Kerrigan Wiley, just my name. Classic, creative. <laughs> Classic, creative, them. unique. Yeah, so unique. My name, and uh, you can find all the retreats on there. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. Thanks for having me on. It's been so much fun just to talk and hang out. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. guys. <laughs>